Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 166 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library's podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I'm your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Miracle. Jacob. What's going on, Michelle? Did you live your dream yesterday? Oh, I did. Got to jam out with some AEW over in Rochester on Wednesday. Didn't get home till super late, and I got zero sleep thanks to being old and alcohol. So If people don't know what he's talking about, it's it's wrestling. Of course. He saw wrestling. It's his heart's desire, and we're very happy for him. I asked Michelle if she wanted to come, and before I even got the words out, she was like laughing at me and said no. <laughs> so that that's why it was not a show. Uh, I mean, I did trip. like wrestling as a child. You we probably enjoy it again. I mean, I don't doubt for one second that if I was at a wrestling match, I would have a good time. Oh, probably yeah. I it mean, is, I like all that stuff. You know, it was actually one of the surprise awesome things. I don't know what was going on, but like the bathroom situation in Rochester, it was heavenly, man. It's basically, oh. it was, there was no wait. You just walk in, <laughs> or get out of there in like 30 seconds. I'm like, this is beautiful. Um, I've been there for Bandits games. Go Rochester. I've been there for Bandits games. Um, and usually you're waiting like 10, 15 minutes when people are actually there. To, so 20, 25 if you're a woman. Yeah, oh, at least. But like here, it was like nothing. I'm like, good. I'll, I'll take that. I'll Man, what a what a really great day then, Jacob. Oh, it was <laughs> all around fantastic. I'm so glad you didn't have to hold your pee at all. You're too old for that now. I, I am. It's going to start hurting. It's going to be an it, issue. It, it can cause permanent uh, damage if a uh, liar liar was telling the truth, which okay. I believe it was. Of course it was, no doubt. <laughs> what else is happening in the world? Is uh, the government going to shut down or not? Well, it doesn't seem like it. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, One less thing to worry about. Fingers crossed, but fingers it doesn't crossed. look like it. Um, also crazy thing is uh, John Hinckley, who shot President Reagan, wins unconditional release this past week. How about that? That's interesting. It is. So a federal judge, he's approved the unconditional release um, next year of John Hinckley Jr., who, as we know, wounded President Ronald Reagan and three others outside a Washington, D.C. hotel in a failed assassination attempt in uh, 1981. So he is now 66 years old. He has been living outside a mental health facility for the past several years, um, which is a result of this gradual lightening of supervision. Okay. So he was like in the mental health facility. Now he's outside of it. And his lawyer said that this is a really momentous event um, for his full release next June and that it's appropriate and required by law. So Yeah, I think it's more required by law as yeah, opposed more to appropriate. Than... It's not good that you can shoot a president, no matter who they are, and get yeah. out of jail eventually. Well, so a little, in case it's been a while and you forgot about old Hinckley here, he is known as one of the craziest celebrity stalkers of all time. <laughs> He became infatuated with Jodie Foster in 1976 oh, and I... even moved states to enroll in a class at her university to be closer to her. And after sending her notes and poems but not having any real contact with her, he began to fantasize about conducting some sort of huge scheme to get her attention. Mm. And eventually settled on assassinating the president. <laughs> well, that'll I mean, that'll do it. I admire the idea behind it, but do you nah, do you admire that there, idea, there, Jacob? There, you... Well, there are flaws. <laughs> there, there are some big flaws I could point out right off the top of my head. There are a couple that stand out. So after he followed around Jimmy Carter from state to state for a while. Talk about a barn burner, am I right? But he was arrested, so he was unable to follow through with the plan of killing Jimmy Carter. So after that, then, he began to target the newly elected president, Reagan, 
um, and then followed through with his plan on March 30th, 1981. But he did fail, and then he was captured and then was held in a mental facility. Did anybody ask Jodie Foster how she feels about this? Because I feel like somebody, she probably should have been consulted. Oh, I'm sure that she was, and I'm sure she felt not great about this dude. But, I mean... You know, he served his time. I believe in that. I believe that you serve your time and you get out. So sure. let's see how that goes. Yeah, let's see. Uh, high hopes. I mean, it's tough because stalkers are just always scary, like in a different way than someone who like gotten angry at someone and killed them. And you're like, well, they're a murderer. But it feels really different. Because there's some I, planning involved with stalking. That's, that's just kind it. of the thing. And I feel like in movies, stalkers are always like such a theme that is really scary. Um I think it redefines what it is to be terrified is to see someone yeah, just unbeknownst re- to them be stalked in a film. Yeah, just relentlessly following you for various random reasons that make no, might not even make any sense to you. Yeah, or then they you do know about this person and you're like, they are way too into me. Yeah. So, yeah, let's talk about that today. Let's talk about stalking in films. Um, and I think that that the act of stalking continues to appear prominently in films given the real-world terror that it can elicit from viewers. Oh, yeah. Because everyone can relate to someone that they don't want following them, following them around. And, I mean, there's been, like, big shows that show The Fall on Netflix. Do you remember that one I with do Jamie remember. Dornan? I that do remember That was such a good show. They, that show you. I was going to mention that, like, You's a big hit right now on Netflix, and that's yeah. another one. Yeah, and I think it's kind of the like further exploring the mindset of the stalker because we're all weirdos and we love this kind of crime stuff. Um, yeah, so let's talk about some of the creepiest stalkers on the big screen, male or female. I think that each one of these stalkers has made a memorable impact due to either like their depraved crimes or just inability to comprehend the nature of their crimes which is a big thing or for just being darn charismatic and or for being darn charismatic it. gosh nothing but i mean that was the fall the fall really messed with you because he was a terrible terrible man oh absolutely but you were like oh why do i want him to hook up with jillian anderson it's a very weird feeling i'm feeling terrible things i gotta go back and finish that show i think i only got to the end of the second season that was it yeah it ended oh did it yeah Ooh. Ooh. so you saw it all all right well there you go mm-hmm. Good for you, Jamie Dornan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so let's get into that. Um, fun. And I think we know I'm starting with the biggest one possibly in the history of film, which is Alex Forrest in 1987's Fatal Attraction. Oh, absolutely. Right. It's the first one I think you think of. Fatal Attraction was actually nominated for six Academy Awards. It's funny when you look at some of these movies that kind of have like a popcorn movie like reputation and then yeah. you go back like oh that was like an academy award nominated film a hundred percent it really elevates what could easily become a predictable kind of melodrama into like a very serious cautionary tale oh absolutely watch your back man yeah so glenn close plays a mentally unstable super frizzy haired seductress who entices successful lawyer husband and father michael douglas into a one-night stand that she would very much like to extend into a life together forever. Mm-hmm. So she starts calling him at his office, then at his home, then she starts showing up at his home, then hanging out with his wife, then she claims she's pregnant with his child, maybe threw a little acid on his car. Maybe might, just a little bit. Might have boiled a bunny rabbit in a crock pot. Maybe. That's might a have thing. Happened. And then tries to stab him to death. So what I like about this movie is that it doesn't really explore why the Michael Douglas character 
commits adultery it's with Michael, this woman. It's Michael Douglas. It's basically every movie he made between 1986 and 2000. Sure. And it doesn't really offer insight into Alex's mental instability either. The central focus is just his frantic attempts to keep his infidelity hidden from his wife as Alex's behavior really escalates from provocative to super violent. Yeah, this is an example of like, you know, just try to take the L on this one, guy. You, a lot, you could have saved yourself a lot of aggravation if you would have just admitted to it early on. <laughs> this... Yeah, and gotten the police. And But yeah. this is, and I really love that it was really commonplace to view um, only men as predators and women as victims. So Fatal Attraction was unique because it really flipped the script um, on that. Oh, yeah. I mean, got Glenn Close there playing just unhinged the entire movie. So unhinged. I mean, it's unnerving to watch how quickly the character's motives move from infatuation to obsession. Oh, absolutely. Real quick. And she gets scary in that movie, man. She gets super scary. So, yeah, if you you want a little bit of a little stalkerism there, Fatal Attraction is the place to start. Yeah, I'd be like, uh, no, thank you, lady. Uh, I think I'm just going to go ahead. Yeah, and no, I'll, pass. I'll, I'll, pass. I'll, I'll, call, I'll call you later. I'll call you later. Don't worry about it. I, I promise. I promise. All right. <laughs> All right. So I'm going with one that's more of a one day stalker with a movie that I absolutely I didn't expect to like this movie as much as I did. But it's fabulous. OK. It's going to be 2020's Unhinged with Russell Crowe. Did you see this movie? Oh, I didn't. But I thought about seeing it. That's the one in the car, right? Yes. OK. It is Fabulous. Okay. Russell Crowe in this movie, oh boy, you want to. You remember that he can act? You remember that he can act, and this guy can be scary, man. Okay. Like, he is rough in this movie. So if you've never seen what it is, it starts out with Russell Crowe uh, beating his ex-wife and her new husband to death and setting their house on fire. Oh, okay. So, so that, a chill start to yeah, the movie. Yeah, it's a nice relaxing way to slide into it. <laughs> so as he is driving home that day, uh, there's a lady, and this is a movie about the lady, but Russell Crowe is really the one that you come to watch this movie for. Okay. She um, is in a rush to get her kid to school, so she gets behind him at a light. He's kind of zoning out. She slams on the horn and starts, you know, giving him the finger and everything. And you know, she picked the wrong guy at the she wrong time. She picked the wrong moment. So for the rest of the movie, it is just Russell Crowe, who did ask her to apologize, and she refused. It's just him following her and chasing her around Los Angeles, terrorizing her. Oh. And if she manages to get away, he's like, you know what? I'm going to go find your brother, your sister, oh your my kids, God. your family, all because he has to teach her a lesson about manners. This movie is great, dude. Russell Crowe is absolutely nuts, super intimidating. Okay. The movie is... It, it sounds fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a, you don't, it's a movie you don't expect to actually grip you the way it does, but oh, the when, when the dude from It's Always Sunny, one of the McPoyles, I forget which one, Jimmy, the blonde one that they actually put in stuff, when he shows up in this movie, you're like, I don't like what's in store for this guy, and oh, the highlight of the movie is a diner scene with him and Russell Crowe. It's just you watch it, you're like gonna have a smile on your face. I have I have meant to grab it, so I'm glad to hear that it's not terrible. No, it is. It's one of those movies that was released at the height of COVID. I was gonna um, say you never heard about it. Yeah, they they dumped it on COVID. They put it on Prime, and people ended up that did see it. All they want to talk about is how fantastic. I feel okay. bad because it probably would have been a pretty big hit in theaters, but oh, 
it's one you got to go check out, man. If, if you just want to see some crazy road rage, you ain't going to honk at anybody <laughs> after watching this movie. I 100% guarantee Another excellent cautionary tale. Yeah. It's like, you know what? Maybe just, turn, you know, sit, sit in just your Just have a little patience. Yeah. Wait, you know, you, you'll get the next light. It'll be Okay. Fine. Well, here's one where you'll never get another roommate. Um, I'm talking about Hedra Carlson. In 1992's oh. Single White Female. Oh, my God. I was actually watching some of that on HBO the other day. Oh, were you? Stop. I haven't seen it in so long. Yeah, I'm, I, well, I say you put Stephen Weber in a movie. I'm going to watch it for, You're 10, into it for 10 to 15 minutes. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, often stalkers in films are trying to fill a void. And in Single White Female, we have Hedra Carlson, played by Jennifer Jason Lee. She's this really mousy, soft-spoken, kind of sad sack of a person, and she becomes roommates with this really glamorous and self-assured character, Allison, played by Bridget Fonda. Who, by the way, I don't buy as a computer specialist. I just want to say that now. Why? Because they never show her computer in the movie. Oh, she doesn't even have one. Yeah, it's kind of like, well, what are you doing here? They were like, we don't really know about computers yet in 1992, so it's fine. Good point. So it's not enough for Hedra to want to be friends with Allison, but she wants to possess her. So Hedra's grasp on reality begins to slip as she kind of eliminates every perceived threat to her relationship with Allison. She's just like, that's gone, that's gone, yep. just me and Allie. I mean, there's not not even a cute puppy survives the fallout from this. Oh, my God, the dog, dude. Very upsetting. I never like when you kill dogs in movies, and no. this is a darn right cute dog. This too. is a cute dog. So the term single white female, I mean, is still the go-to phrase to describe the ultimate frenemy. Oh, so yeah. So it has really stood the test of time when she gets the haircut. You're just like... No turning back. Yeah, I'm like, you need to move out today. (laughs) Get out of my house. I don't want you here. Yeah, no, it's wild, but it's still, like I said, 1992, but it's still worth um, seeing today. Those early 90s movies, man. Those early 90s thrillers. I I mean, it wouldn't work now. You'd be like, oh, this person wants to move. Let me check their Facebook. And then you'd be like, oh, people say they're crazy. Bye. Yeah, you do kind of have to make these period pieces if you're going to make it now. But even better, man. They don't make any. They don't make these kind of movies anymore. No, they it's have true. Fatal attraction. I, they just don't. Yeah. So this is another another excellent one. I'm going to stick with some lady stalkers for a bit. I love it. Oh, I like. I like. I like. I love going with the that. lady stalkers. <laughs> okay. All right. So next, I'm going with another classic. I'm going with 1991's Cape Fear by Martin oh. Scorsese. Yes. God, what a good movie. This is one of the best remakes of all time, if you ask me. Ab- absolutely. I will support that. Yeah, it's the it's a remake of the 1962 movie of the same name, which is based on the 1957 novel The Executioners by John McDonald, in case you did not know. The only thing that is better is the remake of Cape Fear on The Simpsons. Oh my God! It's the Obviously. best. Ep- it's the best episode of The Simpsons. We could we could sit around and talk about that one. The, yeah, 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 I, yeah. I still <laughs> laugh with the rakes. Still laugh every time he's. It's in my head all the time. I actually saw somebody do that in real life once, and oh. I died laughing. I had to leave. I'm like, I need to go away because I'm not going to stop. I didn't laughing even know anyone could actually do that. Also, side note, I just bought a new corn stalk for my front yard for fall, and. It's a special kind, and literally the top of it 100% looks like Sideshow Bob's head. Oh, that's So it looks like I have Sideshow Bob. I'm going to show you a picture when we're done. (laughs) But anyway, sorry for that huge diversion. No, it's uh, anytime (laughs) we're talking about Sideshow Bob corn, I'm in for it. Who wants to drive through the cactus patch? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Such a good episode. Um, So, yeah, after being released from jail, Max Cady, played by Robert De Niro, Decides he's going to get himself some revenge on his lawyer, who he felt did not really defend him that well at his trial. 
It's actually a really messed up movie. We'll talk about more when you're done describing it. Oh, yeah. And the lawyer played by Nick Nolte, um, so, which, oh, boy, Robert De Niro and Nick Nolte in a movie. You're playing Nick Nolte as, like, the good guy. We know we got a bad villain in that movie. Um, so he basically just starts tracking down um, his ex-lawyer and starts just kind of terrorizing him and his family in, like, legal, until later in the movie, ways. You know, just kind of hanging around, being annoying, following him around and stuff like that. But just the way that like the, the tension and the ag- and the uh, aggression raises throughout the entire course of the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, De Niro is. Did he like file his teeth down to look creepy in this movie, and yep. then he had to get all his teeth replaced? Did so. that? He then uh, yeah, he had to make his teeth smaller. Then he also like lost a ton of weight because he looks really emaciated in this movie, but still super intimidating at the same time. Yeah. This is a movie where Scorsese basically gave De Niro like the go sign, and he's like, just do whatever you want to do. Do you know what year was this? Do you uh, remember? It was 1991. Okay, so I do have major issues with Cape Fear, though, that I have to share. So I rewatched it recently. Mm-hmm. And I was, think I know what you're going There about. are huge red flags in this movie. So number one, Robert De Niro went to jail because he, like, brutally raped a woman. Mm-hmm. She was beaten. He cut out parts of her body. Like, it's very, very clear that he committed this crime. She's, like, destroyed. He is mad at Nick Nolte. Because Nick Nolte as his lawyer found out that this adult woman enjoyed sex on mm-hmm. dates yeah. sometimes. This adult woman went out with other men and had relationships with them. And he didn't mention that in court because obviously the jury would have been like, oh, she was promiscuous? Yeah. Oh, he's not going yeah. to jail. Well, he, of course, It must be fine. So he cut chunks off her. You know what? She had it coming. And I was like, huh? Yeah. And then even that lawyer that works with Nick Nolte like, went jo- on a, Joe Don Baker. goes on a date with him and then he almost kills her. And she's literally like... It's my fault. Yeah. What was I thinking? I went out and had a drink with a man. And I'm like, oh, my God, what? That, this is really messed up. So it's really stuck in that time frame. We have grown well, since I don't, then. I don't know about Tolly because the other reason she does it is because she's like, I know all the people in the court. I don't want to go into details about what happened. That's a real thing that still happens today. It is. Yes. It's just her being like. That's to say nothing of this scene. Nothing's going to happen to him because that's just it. They're like, well, we can't arrest him because I had a drink mm-hmm. and I went to his house. So even though I'm beat to a pulp and assaulted, I mean, it's like very much like these women had it coming sort of mm-hmm. thing. So I was very shocked watching that as an adult. That's really messed up. So, you know, watch with care. And there's the whole Julia Lewis uh, stuff in there because she's uh, playing Nick Nolte's daughter in this movie. And there's some stuff with De Niro in oh, there yeah. that you, you're, not, you're not getting away with that these days. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this movie is fabulous. It's kinetic. It does not stop moving. You're going to be watching it from front to the end and just having a good time. You're not going to like either of the uh, main characters of this movie. Nick Nolte is not a good guy in this film. So it's not like he's coming off as this saint getting terrorized. It's kind of like, a, yeah. you're a bad dude too, Yeah. but you don't really deserve this. So man, Cape Fear, what a movie. And go watch the Simpsons episode too, because it's yes. also fabulous. <laughs> Definitely worth it. Um, okay, another one, fantastic. Maybe light on Stalker, um, maybe not. Annie Wilkes, 1987's Misery. Oh, okay. I like that movie. More of a stalker in the... You like that movie. I do like that movie. Of course you like that movie. It's freaking misery, man. So this is Stephen King's book was adapted into a movie in 1987. starred Kathy Bates as Annie Wilkes, 
just the best performance. I don't think anyone else could have played that role. She is a former nurse who was responsible for the deaths of multiple patients under her care, um, as well as other patients over her professional career. So she's uh, she's not great. Yeah, she's kind of crazy. And then the film follows her as she kind of stalks her favorite author, Paul Sheldon, who's played by James Caan. And does she run him off the road or does he crash off the road? You know, I can't remember. So I haven't seen that movie in forever. I feel like he just crashed. He just and crashed. She but was, she happened was to be right there. there. That's why I'm like, I don't remember exactly. So I, I'm really wondering. Someone tweet us and, and let yeah, us know. Yeah, but if it's a 10 Cloverfield Lane situation or not. Yeah, I'm wondering. But then she holds him hostage under the pretense of caring for him because he's very injured and then she forces him to bring her favorite literary character back to life under threat of his own life it gets really crazy um this is the only stephen king adaptation to win an academy award okay which is interesting kathy bates uh took home uh, the oscar for best actress um obviously yeah deserved it 100 percent. i mean that scene where she hobbles him, oh, obviously. Can't I, watch it, dude. I mean, breaking both of his ankles with a sledgehammer is, I think, considered one of the most unsettling moments in film history. I'm just, I'm wincing remembering that scene. It's oh. Just, oh, oh, oh. And then afterwards, she's like, I love you so much. Like, it's really, that's a, that's probably the least stalker I'd want to deal with. I'd probably take Glenn Close. Yeah, because at least you know know where she's coming from. She's not trying to, she's not going to break your ankles while you're in bed. Alex, Alex over Annie, so. Nobody watched, except for like me, that show Castle Rock that was on. I watched uh, Castle Rock. Oh, you did? I watched season one. I'm going to watch season two this upcoming spooky month. Season two, also very good. Annie Wilkes is a character in season two. And she is one of the main characters and the actress. I forget who's playing her. um, You've seen her in a million things. She's uh, really good as Annie Wilkes, too, so. When when she starts getting mixed into the Salem's Lot plot, which is a part of season two, go figure how those two. Oh max wait, up. but here's a serious question: Salem's Lot is my next book that I'm reading mm-hmm. for Spooky Month. Should I wait till I finish the book before I watch Castle Rock season two? Nah, nah. It it's not going to spoil my book at all. No, not okay. really. I mean, they, it does basically follow the plot because that's the one oh. thing I love about that show is it basically follows the plot of all these Stephen King stories. Like it's either before yeah. or after. I do like that, but okay. No, nah, I don't think it'll matter. Okay, cool. All right, so the next one I'm going with, I'm going to go with a weird one here. 2019's The Fanatic. Have you heard anything about this movie? Pat Nas? Oh, no, that's The Fan. That's The Fan. That, well, that's no, the, it's The Fanatic. Oh, my God. So you're going to love these creative geniuses. Okay. So this movie was written and directed by, are you ready for it? No. Limp Biscuit's own Fred Durst. So you know wow. it's going to be amazing. I knew he got into directing. Quote, unquote. <laughs> let me tell you. Mm, mm. So and then the stars, John Travolta in full on oh, hammo. Oh, my God. Oh. That movie, Jacob? That's the one. I've seen a million clips from this as like, how is this movie even real? Oh, it's when you see it. Okay, so this is like a Troll 2 Wicker Man Nicolas Cage movie. Oh, absolutely. Okay, this gotta is warn one of those. people. You need to watch this with friends because it's going to be a piece of garbage. Listen to this description. It tells you how good the acting is going to be. So Travolta <laughs> plays an autistic street performer. Already. Yeah, already. Boy, <laughs> who develops in a session with actor Hunter Dunbar, played by Devin Sawa, in case he wanted to fall into a time portal. Yeah, I don't even know who that is. It's a guy from, like, the first Final Destination movie in Idle Hands. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Okay. So nobody's seen him in 20 years. So basically, he just gets obsessed with him and then starts doing obsessive stuff, kidnaps him, starts messing with him when he has him locked up. And then at the end of this movie, it just, out of nowhere, goes ultraviolence. 
Like, I'm talking RoboCop-level violence. Is it scarier than the haircut John Travolta has in that movie? (laughs) It is laugh-inducing. The whole performance, you are like... The reason I bring it up is because the obsession, you know, it's a stalker movie. He's following this actor around, and that's all good and all. But, like, you are literally in awe of the (laughs) performance, and not in a good way, of Travolta and that Fred Durst was actually allowed to write and direct a movie. Everything so about this was, movie is, is this, bonkers. Would, this would be a fun movie. I should watch it just for fun. Yeah, you walk into it knowing it's terrible. This movie's going to stink. Okay. But it's going to be an experience, and you're just going to like, who thought this was a good idea? I okay. hope he paid for it out of his own pocket, because if there were <laughs> investors to this thing, I feel bad for you guys. Um, but yeah, Fanatic, great-ish. Go check it out. It's going to be a fun time. Okay. Okay. Just thinking of that movie is making me laugh remembering some of the craziness that goes on. I mean, I it. like a good, terrible movie. Oh, then, you, then you're then you going to be in your I've seen house. clips of this, and I've been like, shudder. Like, <laughs> this looks so wretched. Should have um, hired Nick Cage for that movie. It would have be- actually been a movie at that point. That's actually true. He would have acted the heck out of it. <laughs> um, okay, next character is one that I think a lot of people will not be familiar with. It is David Strine in 2018's Unsane. I did not. I've heard of it, but I did not see that movie. So this is weird. It's shot with a really uncomfortable level of intimacy by Steven Soderbergh because he did it on an iPhone 7 Plus. That's how he shoots the whole movie. Okay. Um, And Unsane tells the story the story of Sawyer, who's played by Claire Foy. Oh, okay, the queen herself. You got it. Who's the victim of a stalker who becomes trapped within a mental facility against her will? So she is still traumatized from her past. Um, these things that this David character did to her, and she begins to see him inside this hospital that she's kind of trapped in. Hmm. Um, And because Sawyer's mental health is questioned by the facility for its own selfish reasons, which you got to watch to see, it is not immediately clear if David is a figment of her imagination or truly there. Okay. So you're getting that in the movie. Um, It has a really claustrophobic mood, Um, watching events unfold can kind of make you as an audience member feel kind of voyeuristic. And I think it's because of the way that it's shot on the cell phone. You're getting that way more intimate, close feeling. Um, I can deal with this. It's a Soderbergh movie, so I know it's going to be at least well made, well like story wise. Exactly. There's a scene where Sawyer confronts David and like her rage at his inability to comprehend, um, or differentiate between how he perceives Sawyer and who she really is, it's a really palpable scene. Hmm. Like, you're really feeling what she's feeling. So it's worth checking out. Okay. That kind of sounds pretty cool, man. Yeah, I just wanted to bring that one up because it's a little lesser known, which oh, is nice. Yeah, I, I mean, nobody's going to have seen that movie for sure. That was definitely, like, the iPhone 7 thing, that's pretty interesting that they can, the cameras are getting that good on phones. Yeah, I know, right? That's not the have... first film. There was another one, that film Tangerine was the first one I saw that was shot entirely on an iPhone, so mm, it's very one, fascinating. That one I do not know, but yeah. I don't like I don't like fruit, so, you know. I don't oh, no, it's a great, it's a great film, but anyway. All right, let me bust off a couple quick ones here for you. Uh, 1993's The Crush with Carrie Elways and Alicia Silverstone. Oh, that's before a... Alicia was Clueless. That oh, was yeah. like her big... That's that's a fun little movie. If you want to see a, um, Carrie Elways plays a uh, art guy, I think, who moves next door mm-hmm. or moves into a house. Uh, Alicia She's Silverstone. She's such that Lolita sort of character. They really <laughs> lean into that. She's the, the daughter of his landlord. She gets an obsession with him and things escalate fatal attraction-y 
she's actually really good in this movie. And this is when Car- oh yeah, and this is when Carrie Elways was still like looked at as a leading man. Yeah, you know, before he got stung by a bee or whatever happened to him that he swelled up for the past couple of years. Oh, brother, um, Judgy Jacob. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm sorry, I know, but I, he's all, he'll always be the man in black to me. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty good movie. Go check it out if you want to get some. Uh, some old school Alicia Silverstone before she started throwing up in her kids' mouths or whatever she's doing these days. I mean, that's very upsetting, <laughs> Alicia Silverstone. But um, anyway. <laughs> t- 2009's Obsessed, starring Idris Elba and Beyonce, uh, where Ali, La- Ali Larter, nailed it, is... That uh, movie looked so stupid, but... It, it, but the cast, I mean, you put Idris yeah. Elba in a movie, I'm like, fine, yeah. I'll watch it. Uh, if, kind of a funny note on this one. Uh, they actually fired Zoe Saldana, who was supposed to be the star of this movie, because oh. Beyonce showed interest in it. Oh, which I'm like Zoe's probably a, is definitely a way better actress. Oh, than it's, Beyonce. it's like after seeing it, you like they probably put a sh- put, put, probably should have put Zoe Saldana in that yeah. movie. She's not very good. And uh, another one of my favorites, uh, 1996 is the Cable Guy or 2020's <laughs> The Invisible Man. Both good for separate reasons. Cable Guy's just underrated Ben Stiller movie still makes me crack and up. And being stalked by someone invisible is is its own thing entirely. Uh-huh. The funny thing, even more terrifying, if they would have kept Johnny Depp, who was supposed to star in that movie as the uh, the Invisible Man, that would nowadays that'd be a much more horrifying movie. But <laughs> um, yeah, go check those ones out, guys. And they're all pretty good. You're gonna have a good time. All right, the check ones I have left, I'm gonna save for a future stalker episode. Ooh, what do you I like think that. about that? I like that. Hiding in the bushes with those with those choices. You'll have to wonder. All right, Jacob, why don't you plug us up? So you know where you don't have to hide in any bushes? At one of the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries. We have 37 branches all throughout Erie County. Stop on by, say hi, just, you know, make sure it's not you're not focusing on one employee when you do that. Stay six feet away and, yeah, don't yes. just stare at us. Yeah, don't stare through the books at people. <laughs> you're looking a little weird, bro. Uh, also, don't forget to visit our website at www.buffalolib.org. Uh, we got a bunch of programs going on. See what's going on at your local library and uh, see what your count is and follow us on Twitter at allbookedupod and tell us who you are stalking today. (laughs) Please, we would like to report you. Um, Okay, so I'm going to do a couple famous stalking cases. Number one, uh, Robert Dewey Hoskins and Madonna. You might not be familiar. Mm. This originally took place almost 20 years ago, um, but it has, you know, more recent twist. So in 1996, Hoskins was sentenced to 10 years in prison for stalking um, and assault that stemmed from his obsession with Madonna. He not only broke into her property numerous times, but also threatened to slit her throat if she refused to marry him. Okay. He was shot by Madonna's security force um, once after jumping over her gate to gain entry into her property. And then in 2012, Hoskins escaped from the mental facility that he was receiving treatment in, which immediately, you know, alarmed Madonna and her family. Um, And then after being captured again, it seemed that he had moved on. He had set his sights on Halle Berry after his escape. Okay, that's an upgrade. So went to get her. So now Madonna and Halle Berry are okay because he's back in custody, but... Hopefully he's going to stay that way, too. Like, geez. Yeah, like, this person can't leave. How are you going to be surprised by the level of security a 1996 Madonna would have? Like, are you nuts, dude? Exactly. You're not getting within... Well, yes, I mean... You're not getting within a mile of that lady. So another huge one, Yolanda Saldivar and Selena. 
This oh, is boy. one of the saddest cases. Selena was a major star uh, in Tijano music genre, and Yolanda was a huge fan of this, so it seemed likely that their paths would cross. And after constantly begging Selena's family to start a fan club, they eventually gave in, and they made Yolanda the president of the fan club. They promoted her to manager of mm -hmm. many of Selena's clothing boutiques. And I mean, the relationship soon went sour after the family realized that Saldivar was embezzling money mm -hmm. from the boutiques and the fan club, so she was fired. And then soon after a face-to-face -face meeting between Saldivar and Selena, it proved fatal and she murdered her. Which, and, what are you thinking? Who who's decided that was a good idea? A face-to-face meeting with an embezzling former employee. I know. She's serving uh, life imprisonment for the crime, but that's really sad. And then our final one, um, most famous, saddest of all, uh, Mark David Chapman. Oh, and, yeah. And John Lennon. This is without a doubt the most famous case of stalking. It ultimately led to the very, very sad death of John Lennon. This is also interesting because it's kind of the opposite of most stalking, as Chapman didn't stalk Lennon because he loved him, but because he hated him. Um, this hate stemmed from the fact that Lennon stated that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus, which angered the religious Chapman, who then pl planned to kill Lennon for a while and then eventually succeeded. This story also has that terrible, eerie twist as the last known picture of Lennon alive is one of him signing a book for Chapman only a few hours before Chapman would shoot and kill him. Yikes, man. Yeah, not, so that's... Not great. Way to, way to pay attention to the book that you're... Uh you're purporting there, uh, Chapman. Yeah, it's, it's tough stuff. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. Keep looking over your shoulder, and we will catch you next time. Ah.